Good morning, everybody. For this 4th of July weekend, good morning and welcome. I want to say, especially this morning, and recognize that we stand on Ohlone lands this morning. Important to recognize on this anniversary of our nation's founding on these lands. Part of the fuller history we seek to tell and be accountable for. I'm sure many of you are a little bleary-eyed this morning because even though official fireworks were canceled, I think the unofficial fireworks were more extensive, at least where I lived and have been for the last few weeks. So if you're like me, you might have gotten a little less sleep last night than usual. So a special welcome. And welcome to our visitors who are with us the first time or one of the first times. Uh, we have an invitation to you if you feel comfortable on the chat this morning to type in maybe where you're from or how you found out about the service. We're just excited to know who's with us and so thrilled that you are with us this morning. If you are visiting um, with us for the first time, you probably, I hope, saw you can download the order of service. That will allow you to follow along with worship and has the music for singing the hymns and songs. So please avail yourself of that so you can follow along this morning. I want to thank also everybody who's here making service possible, Eric Shackelford at the camera, and Jonathan Silk running sound, Robert DeLau who opened the building this morning, and Dan Berman, our facilities manager, who's here too. I'm blessed to have Dennis Adams, one of my fabulous team of worship associates here to lead worship with me. But also, and especially as you already saw this morning, Reiko Odelaine doing her own fireworks from the organ loft. And also Asher Davidson and Gilead Worman and Bill Gans here leading us in a service that was planned about a month ago when the state of the country mandated that this was not a service we wanted to do that Sunday. And so we spoke about what was going on in the life of our country and in the call to rise up and join in the efforts for racial equity. This service we're happy to reschedule for today is filled with delightful music from Stephen Sondheim. So I especially wanna thank all of you for scheduling to be back so we could enjoy it. I'm really looking forward to the music this morning, especially. So let me then light this candle as we have been every week. Candle that's getting, I'm gonna need, soon need long matches to reach in far enough. This is how long we have been apart. But in honor of all of you, bringing you in spirit into this room, where we worship until such time as we might be here in this space together. Oh, 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 
all of the faith that the dog past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present had brought us. Facing the rising sun of a new day begun, let us march on till victory is won. Stony the road we trod, bitter the chase. In the days when hope unborn had died, yet with a steady beat of not our weary feet, come to the place for which our Father sighed. We have come over a way that with tears has been watered. We have come treading our path through the blood of the slaughtered. Out from the gloomy past till now we stand at last, where the white gleam of a bright star is cast. God of our silent tears Thou who hast brought us thus far on the way Thou who hast by Thy might led us into the light Keep us forever in the path we pray Lest us from the places, our God, where we met Thee, lest our hearts drunk with the wine of the world we forget Thee. Shadowed beneath Thy hand, may we forever stand, true to our God, true to our native land. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of our faith as we gather together. When I breathe in, I'll breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I'll breathe out love. When I breathe in, I'll breathe in peace. When I breathe out, I'll breathe out love. When I breathe in, Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, 
to seek the truth in freedom and to help one another. Recognizing that there is human suffering all over this world in the course of natural and human catastrophes. We will ring our gong today in honor of three such places of suffering and struggle. We ring our gong first as we have since last summer in honor of the seven children who lost their lives in federal custody in our detention camps. And we let its ringing symbolically stand also for those adults who have lost their lives in those camps, who remain in the camps, many separated from their families, and many now infected by COVID-19 or at risk, great risk of the infection. We ring our gong additionally once for the losses of the virus we know by name, its symptoms rehearsed. This week, 31,155 people lost their lives globally to COVID-19. 4,088 of those people were in the United States. We hold in our hearts all who continue to risk their lives, providing essential services, those who struggle and suffer from job loss, those whose lives are especially vulnerable to this virus. And finally, we ring our gong once for this land. For the indigenous people who called it home before the colonists from Europe arrived. The 244 years of it being called by some the United States of America. The 401 years since the first African slaves were brought here. We ring the gong holding all the hope and dreams and all the suffering and betrayal, the loss, the courage that has lived in human form in these lands.
and also for fuller truth to be told about the layered history, accountability, change, and the dreams even now being reborn for healing and wholeness. May we keep those we have named, all that we have named in our thoughts and in our prayers. And may we ease the tide of human suffering this coming week, howsoever we can. Now I invite us into a time of reflection and prayer. Spirit of life and love, God, we know by so many names and by no name at all. We come out of a week in our sometimes still gorgeously, eerily quiet city. We gather after a bombastic night of sound and light. We come safe but worried. We come bored and maybe just a little shut down. We come with hair too long tired of our own cooking, of our own four walls, 
and the too familiar confines of our neighborhood walks. We come settled into this new normal and unnerved by the waiting. This particular day, this anniversary of our nation, we come tired too of too much waiting of a different kind. Of institutionalized customs and laws and structures of power that diminish and harm, permit evil and ugliness in our collective name. We come too often adjusted to and asking to be maladjusted to, to such a world. Asking for guidance and the winds of change to blow fierce, to continue to blow and fiercely. God of many names and no name at all. Point us on this day's next step and then tomorrow's. Show us this hour's work or need to rest for this season of revolution. Recognizing all those who did this same work in their chapter of life and stewardship of this nation, please guide our way. As the poet says, and the people sing, keep us forever in the path we pray. for these and all the prayers in our hearts this morning. We pray. Amen. Anyone can whistle, that's what they say, easy. One can whistle any old day easy. It's all so simple. Relax, let go, let fly. So someone tell me a tango, I can read Greek, easy. I can slay a dragon any old week, easy. 
We are connected in ways that are terrifying and beautiful. Reverend Dr. Lynn Unger, she said that in her poem, Pandemic and the UU World for the Summer. I grew up loving the 4th of July, especially the fireworks, which I found to be so beautiful and spectacular, yet a little scary in their thunderous sounds. When I was really young, I labored under the misconception that the 4th of July was exclusively for me, as my birthday of 7-11 always falls exactly one week after, and I'd get all caught up in the beautiful pomp and circumstance of sparklers and firecrackers. Why then now do I sort of hate the 4th of July? Mostly because the fireworks, more constant than ever these days, freak out my little companion dog, Nugget. As soon as some neighborhood wit lets off a big boom, my poor dog turns into a quivering, panting, shaking pile of nerves. I know he's not the only dog that reacts this way, but I'm his only human, and to a degree his alpha dog, and the way his eyes implore me when he's freaking out make me feel like I'm letting him down. I took a risk adopting Nugget, as he was already a year and two months old and had developed some quirks and habits which had to be dealt with. We even went through a reactive rover class at the SPCA together to calm his barkiness, and it worked to a large degree. It was even discounted due to my being a veteran. And there's another problem with fireworks. Many of my fellow veterans have PTSD to some degree and react much the same as Nugget. And it's no accident. They would shudder at the sounds, wouldn't they? With fireworks, to me, there's also a sort of jingoistic artifice whereby the powers that be are subtly celebrating the sights and sounds of war and history we must increasingly bring into focus to question its efficacy. For instance, who decided putting up statues of Confederate generals was a good idea? Much of that not so subtle revisioning happened during the Jim Crow era. Why so long to bend the arc back towards justice and equality? I was attempting to describe to my mother the circumstances of the death by police hands of one young black man named Elijah McLean. He's a 23-year-old massage therapist and violinist who used to play concerts for animals in shelters in his native Aurora, Colorado. Someone reported him as a suspicious person wearing a mask. Anyway, partway through, I just started to cry. It had happened last August, but only came to light recently, and I wondered at my own tears, though I do know why, because too often we come again to say their names with too little change. Still, we do it anyway. Eric Garner, Ahmaud Arbery, Oscar Grant, Trayvon Martin, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, Rayshard Brooks, remembering these tragically ended beautiful people by saying their names as the morbid list grows longer. So when change and revolution seem inevitable, here we are still holding immigrant children in detention camps, separated from their families and close in conditions in COVID-19 time. Our historically poor treatment of persons of color in this country has to end, period. And this whole white supremacy evil makes me sick to my stomach and frankly frightens me. I remember George Wallace and Lester Maddox and their KKK politics. When the President of the United States retweets white power and images of armed civilians threatening peaceful protesters to his 80 million followers, what hope is there? Our only sane recourse, in addition to signs and protests and marches, is to vote. Vote, vote, vote.
Perhaps we can get this egotistical, xenophobic, dog-whistling divider out of office in November. And that's just a start. I feel that in this sacred space, in our strong, loving community, magic teamwork happens. I've witnessed it here quite often. It's a big risk to put your heart out there for all to see. As one who's suffered bouts of depression and anxiety for many years, I feel so totally accepted and loved here. So we really are all in this together, and we need to continue to lean on one another, virtually for now, to continue to discover our power and our determination towards justice. I said it was a risk to rescue Nugget. Well, he took the same leap of faith by rescuing me, trusting me to feed and clean him and walk the city together. We are a team. He also gives me hope that with our collective hearts and minds, all is not lost. Don't worry, little Nugget. The big booms will all be gone soon. Till then, we'll just keep on risking going out at night and fighting the good fight. Our offering this morning is going to be taken to support the work of Black Lives for Unitarian Universalists. You can read more about their work online to support not just Black Unitarian Universalists looking to connect to our association, but resources in general for Unitarian Universalists to deepen our spiritual lives, ground our equity work. So you'll notice if you donate online in the, in the, uh, the button that's provided, there's a place to identify that you want your offering to go toward the special offering this morning. And you'll see a link if you want to find out more about Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism. Thank you in advance for your generosity. Somebody hold me too close Somebody hurt me too deep Somebody sit in my chair And ruin my sleep And make me aware of being alive Being alive Somebody need me too much Somebody know me too well Somebody pull me up short And put me through hell And give me support for being alive survive 
this morning is by poet Lucille Clifton called I Am Running Into a New Year. And the poet writes, I am running into a new year and the old years blow back like a wind that I catch in my hair like strong fingers, like all my old promises and it will be hard Hard to let go of what I said to myself about myself when I was 16 and 26 and 36, even 36, but I am running into a new year. And I beg what I love and I leave to forgive me. Here ends our reading. There are giants in the sky. There are big, tall, terrible giants in the sky. When you weigh up high and you look below at the world you've left and the things you know, little more than a glance is enough to show you just how small you are. When you weigh up high and you're on your own in a world like none that you've ever known, where the lead is lead and the earth is stone, you're free to do whatever pleases you. Exploring things you'd never dare, cause you don't care when suddenly there's a big, tall, terrible giant at the door. A big, tall, terrible lady giant sweeping the floor. And she gives you and she gives you rest and she draws you close to her giant breast and you know things now that you never knew before not till the sky only just when you made a friend and all and you know she's big but you don't feel small someone bigger than her comes along the hall to swallow you for lunch and your heart is led into stomach stone and really scared being all alone. And it's then that you long for the things you've known and the world you've left and the little you own. The fun is done. You steal what you can and run. And you scramble down and look below and the world you know begins to grow. The roof, the house, and your mother at the door. The roof, the house, and the world you never thought to explore. And you think of all of the things you've seen And you wish that you could live in between And you're back again, only different than before After the sky There are giants in the sky There are big, tall, terrible, awesome, scary, wonderful giants in the sky. So weeks and weeks ago now, I preached a sermon on negotiating risk. Oh, and I'm going to warn you, this is a long sermon, but you know what? You have no place to go, so I'm going to invite you to just settle in. It's full of story, anyhow. I preached this sermon on how we're all paying a lot of attention these days, and do throughout our lives, of course, on how to stay on the good side of risk. It was a sermon about risk as danger, about something to be managed and avoided. COVID risk was on my mind, of course. This sermon, it's about the other side 
of risk. I read a book years ago called by the name of this sermon. Not so long ago, I put that book in one of those neighborhood book exchanges, those libraries on the side of the road, because the book had so little I remembered or noted or underlined, no dog-eared pages, but the title, the title stuck with me, Exquisite Risk. It's the risk that presents itself right before something magnificent or some even small breakthrough, the risk that accompanies most moments of growth. And I think it's the risk we often forget about, especially often as we age. Let me tell you a little more about what I mean. So let me take you back. It's the brink of my 45th birthday, kind of right in that sweet spot of middle age. I, I got reacquainted with risk. I mean, it wasn't officially on my list of plans. It just kept showing up. I had taken three months of sabbatical that year, starting around Christmas through about March, and as part of that, my goal was really just to reconnect with myself, to spend some time with my daughter, who was about six at the time, maybe take a family trip with my parents, some very tame stuff generally about renewal and making some memories. And part of that plan was a trip to Costa Rica. Lila, our daughter, was small then, and so we had this practice of making trips that involved wildlife and outdoor fun. The museums, we figured, well, they could come later. Costa Rica was and is famous for having developed its natural beauty into a kind of ecotourism destination. 13% of its GDP, or no, 13% of its people are employed in tourism, and 80% of those come to enjoy some form of ecotourist-related activities in that year. We were part of that 80%. And our main destination, it was Monteverde Cloud Forest. True to the hype, our guide, one day into the mountain's biological reserves, was an expert at the habits, a genius in his sighting of birds and wildlife. At one point, there were maybe 50 people around, all with their guides, and our guide pointed to some distant tree between trees far away and said he had spotted the elusive and famous Quetzal. And after lots and lots of guiding of our binoculars, we finally, finally saw what he had seen with his naked eye. It turns out he, like many guides, was a former poacher who'd been invited to serve on the other side as part of this ecotourism revolution. So of course he was expert at tracking and sighting all kinds of rare animals. This is what we'd hoped to find in Costa Rica. But there were other tourist options in the cloud forest and we had this kid to keep busy so we agreed one day to go zip lining. <clears throat> I 
Have you ever had the experience of when something is just a word until you're in it and you realize it's not just an abstract idea? I'm constantly aware of those moments and agreeing to go ziplining, well, that was one of them. It was just this word until I realized what the idea actually entailed. It turned out at this ziplining outfit we went to for reasons that at first were a mystery, after we got fitted for our gear, the first stop was a kind of Tarzan rope swing. There was this cleared out part of the forest where they had erected at one end this pretty shaky scaffolding that was maybe 40 feet high. A guide greeted you at the top. All I remember is he pulls the rope over to the side where you both are standing and he gives it to you and he tells you to hold on and you're going to count down and then jump. Well, actually, he takes you to the edge and he has you lean and he holds you to prepare and this thing is shaking and you're high up and you start to wonder things like, who this person is who you've handed control over your destiny and how far away is the nearest hospital? You get to the edge and every part of your evolutionary brain says don't stand at the edge of high shaky places. That's how we, this strain of ancestors, has managed to survive and your brain is right and you think, what in the world am I doing here and why did I agree to this? Can I still get out of it? In my case, I was the last of our party to go, and the guide counted down, holding me as I leaned off the edge. Three, two, and then he said, whoops. And I was flying across this open swath of cleared forest. Friends, I held on for dear life, like I'm sure everyone before me had, but not whooping it up like the rest of my family and friends had because I was released by mistake, apparently. And in that space, a deviation of even a few degrees could mean I would end up like a fly on a windshield against some big old tree. So my heart pounding, my senses focused the way it is when you're in danger. I swung back and forth across this expanse of forest until finally I slowed down enough and they pulled the rope to stop and I crawled down. What happened? I said to the guide in Spanish. What was the matter? What, he said? And then a big smile came across his face. Oh, I was just joking with you. And in that moment, I had become reacquainted, not by choice, not entirely, not knowingly, with an old friend. Risk. Risk is something that we spend much of our life in constant relationship to, at least early on. I mean, think about it. You are born 
And you have to learn how to live in this scary world, immediately learn outside the womb how to eat from a bottle or a breast, and then how to use these things called hands, these things that often also seem to strangely grab and pull your own thing called hair. You have to figure out how to use this body in lots of ways that are unnerving to crawl and then the teetering act of walking, which involves a lot of face plants. Every day you see new things, you hear new words. Every year, to paraphrase, paraphrase the poet Lucille Clifton, you are running into a new year. There's that first day of school and leaving the people you trust to keep watch over you, leaving them behind. There's these things called reading and math and science and dodgeball, and each new thing is this whole new world of skills that surprises you, that you have no idea what to expect when you're faced with it. Each year, new classmates, new teachers, new subjects, new demands, new learnings about the world, about yourself. The first crush, the first big fight with a friend, the first tryout for a team or a show and not making it. And all that teaches you, or maybe making it and learning the whole be careful what you wish for experience when you have to perform. Life is full of these moments that you and I are thrust in from birth for a big long swath of life, no reprieve from any of it. Choosing a profession is risk, no matter how many times we choose a new one. Having a child is a risk, moving to a new city is a risk. Each thing stresses you, stretches you, and for a big far part of our lives, unless we somehow manage early on to figure out how to be a professional slug, we are in this constant discovery process. And then, at some point, often without any notice that arrives in the mail, life, maybe around midlife, can sometimes take this quiet turn. <clears throat> maybe not for all of us, but I'd argue for many of us, life gets comfortable without us realizing it. I don't know, we, we find a groove and we settle into it. We choose our profession or a job we like and we settle in. We find a place we like to live in well enough and we can afford and we put things up on the walls and we renew the lease again and again. Maybe we partner up for life, we hope or settle into a group of friends that we get together with every weekend. Maybe we find our hobbies and then we spend some time just focused on those. We refine our golf stroke or we read the next book for book group or we try the newest one pot meal recipe. We take a new hike, but still a day hike or still the hikes of the kind we know how to do and life gets, well, it kind of putters along predictably. And I don't think we often notice this is happening because often that same life, it's pretty big and full as it is. Grown-up life has lots of things to do, things we 
must do. There are all those responsibilities and chores that no one else will do that keep us busy. There are bills and groceries, there are work and taxes to do, there's laundry, garbage to take out. It's while we're doing all of that and life feels so full, time can feel so stretched that ironically I think sometimes our reality without our knowing is also getting smaller sometimes. In my case, it was. If you're like me, you didn't notice that you start to be in an echo chamber of worlds, that the challenge in life becomes more about being better at a few things, that you fall into this stage of mastery and maybe not discovery, and that often at that stage, the risk is not trying things that you might be bad at, that are off your norm, that are too new. Without even realizing it, the entity that was once this constant companion takes a nap. Biologists will say that an organism that's not growing is dying, one or the other. And in those moments, I wonder which are we? Maybe a little bit of both. That's what I woke to or woke up from its nap or both. The moment I flew through that forest on a rope, 2,000 miles from home, and something I woke to again and again that sabbatical when I kept finding myself for some reason in situations that I hadn't considered would feel so scary. A scuba lesson and a dive that sounded lovely until I had all this gear strapped on my back enough to sink me. An invitation to preach that sounded like an honor until I realized what a room that held 3,000 people would feel like and my knees shook. And each time, amidst the fear and self-reproach of what in the world was I thinking, why in the world did I agree to this, and how do I get out of it, I would also notice increasingly that this feeling was familiar. That someone who was me, an earlier me, used to know what it felt like to live in these moments. And how that someone knew something that I needed to remember, and that was this, that these moments were also the moments, the way it felt to be at the precipice of growth and awakening. That they were scary, but they were also signs that you were about to break open false barriers of self and the world. They were invitational warnings, if you will, that transformation was about to happen. So wake up and get ready. Because that's the thing about risk. It isn't just scary, right? It, it isn't just unnerving when we're in it and with it. It also can mean that we're just about to be in one of those moments where we push the bounds of what we know we can do. 
As one motivational speaker says, when did you learn that you could not do the things that you think you cannot do? Because when we have moments of risk, we're maybe about to unlearn some of those lessons. There are moments when we ask the world to be bigger and ourselves too, and we blow open false boundaries, and there is a new horizon that we see. And it's important to stay connected to that reality. For all of us to remember that flutter of discomfort and that it's the same one that we remember dressing up for the feeling when we dressed up for the date, which ended up being one of the most fun nights of our life, or the feeling that we had when we stood in front of the curtain right before it went up on the night that we found out we could act and how fantastically good it felt to be an actor. It's that same feeling that we felt inside when we were joining this enormous crowd to demand justice because we couldn't stand to stay silent anymore. And we felt for the first time the power of collective action to shift the world. All these were and forever are the moments, the feelings we have right before the world expands and we expand with it. So yes, risk can be something we navigate, we mitigate, we're leery of. With COVID-19, that's where we have been a lot in our relationship to it. But I guess when I was writing about that, I didn't want us to forget that it can also be this exquisite thing, risk, this reality to befriend and never forget to travel with. Because as the biologists say, we're either growing or we're dying. And I don't know about you, but I'm too young to embrace dying as my MO. So yes. There are giants in the sky. There are big, tall, terrible, awesome, scary, wonderful giants in the sky. And the goal isn't avoiding all of that, but being alive, being alive, especially now. Because COVID aside, and I know that's a huge aside, this is a wild, hard, fertile, vital, transformative time in our nation's history. You know it, you feel it, we all do. Particularly around race and equity and justice and hopefully climate justice too. And we are called, all of us, to step into it, right? To leap off the days, shaky as it feels, and swing into the unknown. To strap on the oxygen tank and the fins and dive under what is safe and familiar. Because just beyond the bounds that we have too long accepted as norms, 
just beyond the walls that have allowed hurt and damage and pain and evil to happen is a world where life is not diminished, where customs change and norms are challenged and statues come down and laws and regulations and the way we police and protect one another gets re-envisioned. And it will take risk to get there. Risking new conversations and sharing the pain and fear we haven't before, some of us, and risking new ways of being for all of us, and trying on fierce advocacy and speaking up at work and naming what we have been told is not polite to name, and standing up with those who name it also so they never have to stand alone, and to give up some privilege and maybe a lot and in so doing, ease the tide of human suffering every day, howsoever we can. At the end of my sabbatical year that year, I came back, sabbatical months, I came back renewed from rest and long walks and baking cookies with Lila and lots of books, but also also having performed the first same-sex marriage at Cadet Chapel at West Point with young Marines and four star generals finally allowed to be out in the military and free to marry. The reception that night was as close to heaven on earth as any moment I have ever been present to. And in all of that time off, I had gotten reacquainted with an old, once constant friend who reminded me that reminded me that life was bigger than I had been remembering to live it. And what it means when we step out into it in a particular spirit. So may we all reconnect these days with exquisite risk and stay connected to that old friend who has been with us since the beginning in a life that knows the ongoing excitement and shortness of breath that we can feel at certain times is is part of moments of growth and greater aliveness and a harbinger of bold and transformative living. And remember too that this day especially, we need people liberated to live on the exquisite side of risk. So may it be so for us all. Amen.
And now in our comings and our goings, may the light of love shine upon us, out from within us. Be gracious unto us and grant us peace. For this is the day we are given. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen.